Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 4. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Now you know Solomon had a unique way of saying things. He was considered the wisest man to ever live and he dispelled a lot of that wisdom throughout the writings of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes as well, but this is a unique verse, one that I don't know I've ever preached on before, but I can't get away from that phrase, him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. There's something that attaches us to hope, and it is simply being alive. Isaiah 38, 18 is also another verse that expounds upon this same principle but gives more details. It says, for the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. I want to speak this morning from that phrase in Ecclesiastes 9.4, for to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. And I want to talk to you today about the rope of hope. The rope of hope. How many of you know that the Lord is in the business of giving hope to every single person in every situation? Why don't we lift our hands and our voices one more time. Lord, we're thankful to be in your house. Thankful for the opportunity to worship you. We ask you, God, that you would anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word. Let our lives be changed, God, by the principles of your word. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated and thank you for standing. This uh, past week, we had to uh, say goodbye to a young man that's a really special person. His name is Ty Martin, sister uh, Marietta Patchen, who is our deaf coordinator's grandson. And uh, we were uh, in the mountains with uh, his parents, John and Dana uh, Marlin, along with um, other friends and family members when they received the news that uh, they had lost their 23-year-old son, Ty. It was so painful to uh, witness, to be a part of, to try to help shoulder uh, the sorrow, the grief. Um, I don't know if there's anything more painful in life than the loss of a child. And I, I have seen that it's a a thing that either makes or breaks people. And uh, I was reminded once again as uh, we were attempting to um, be there for them, and of course your words seem so inadequate. Um, but I, I was reminded that indeed there is nothing more valuable on this planet than a human life. More valuable than the tallest building, more valuable than any man-made structure, the human life, one single individual. And over the last several days, as we have uh, attempted to process this loss of life, I feel that the Lord has put something on my heart that I want to share with each of you today. And I want to say at the outset that if you have lost a loved one, then I do not want to say anything today that would be insensitive to you. But I do want to preach today to the living. I cannot preach to those that are in the grave, but I can preach to those that are alive. 
And so I want to preach today to the living. In the Islamic faith, they celebrate death. But in the Christian faith, we celebrate life. Jesus came to give us life and that more abundantly. In fact, he took on death in his earthly ministry and defeated it. And I am convinced that in scripture, hope and life are tethered to each other. If the enemy can take your hope, then he can try to take your life. But if you and I can keep believing, if you and I can keep living, if you and I can keep loving, if you and I can just stay alive, even though you may have had a bad week, you may have had a bad month, you may have had a bad year, but if you'll just stay alive and keep breathing and keep believing and keep worshiping, hope will resurface. Hope will resurface. Because every day is another opportunity for us to give God the praise and the glory and to thank Him once again for this gift called life. I believe that hope is something that is part and parcel to the dignity of humanity. This nation was founded on hope. Jesus is in the business of giving people hope that tomorrow can be better than yesterday. That next year can be better than this year. That there is a future, though you may not like your past, if you've got God on your side, your future, hallelujah, is going to be better than your past. Your greatest days are not behind you. Your greatest days are still in front of you. There is hope. This nation was founded on that. Some people believed that it could be better than what they were experiencing. So... They got on a boat called the Mayflower and they risked their lives on the high seas to come to this land. The land of hope. The land of opportunity. But it's more than just in the land. It is in our spirits. Every man and woman, every boy and girl, they are born with hope. There is something inside of each of us that is literally indigenous to our own nature that we want to believe the enemy's in the business of trying to snuff that out and to convince you that you're always going to be stuck in your addictions and you're always going to be stuck in your depression and your despondency but i rise today to tell you that there is a god that can make a difference in everybody's life you don't have to be a prisoner to your own fears or your own mistakes or your own shame but there's a god that can give you joy and hope and power if you keep believe it Isaiah chapter 38 verse 19 it continues this theme as we mentioned in our text the living the living says that twice to establish it the living the living he shall praise thee as I do this day the father to the children shall make known thy truth the Lord was ready to save me Therefore, we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. It is the living that praise thee. 
I don't know about you, but I've prayed this prayer before. If I've ever been in a situation where my life's in danger, I've prayed and said, God, I need you to protect me because I can't praise you in the grave. I need you to protect me because I can't sing the songs of Zion in the grave. I need you to get me through this because I want to praise you, but I can't do it six feet under. I need you to keep me, protect me. I'm going to tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have any credibility praying that prayer if you've lived your life with no praise. But if you've praised it while you had breath, if you've praised it while you have an opportunity, you can pray that prayer with moral authority. Somebody wants to come up in here and say, I don't know why you Pentecostals are so loud. I don't know why y'all worship God and carry on so much. I just want to tell you what the answer to that is. Because we're alive. Because we're alive. Because we have breath. Because we have a voice. Because we have an opportunity. Because once again, on the Lord's day, we're in his house to declare the greatness of the name of Jesus. And while I'm alive, there ought to be praise that comes from this mouth. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 5 continues the same thought. For the living know that they shall die but the dead know not anything neither have they any more a reward for the memory of them is forgotten also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun Now notice how the wise man Solomon lays this out. And really, in many ways, it runs counterintuitive to our culture. The living know that they shall die. Why do they know that they shall die? We all know that one day, if the Lord tarries, we're going to die. But how do we know that? Because we're alive. That's how we know it. Because there is no knowledge in the grave. Knowledge is among the living. Goes on, explains it and says, there's no love and hatred and envy and none of that is down. Why? Because there's no emotion in the grave. I'm thankful that we have emotion. I'm thankful that we can harness that emotion, not for the purpose of hurting, but for the purpose of loving and helping and reaching and praising God. God didn't call us to be spiritual robots. They don't have any emotion in the grave. But we're alive. We got emotion. We can worship God with passion. We can make a decision. You know what? Things have been going against me, but I believe that God's fixing to turn things around. You say, how do you know that? Because I know that my Redeemer lives. 
And if I just hang on to that rope that holds me to hope, we just simply stay alive. That's the rope that I need to hold on to hope. Just stay alive. Just keep believing. Just keep worshiping. Just keep on keeping on. There's no reward in the grave. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. You don't get a reward until you come up out of the grave. There is no reward in the grave. But there is when you're alive. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. (laughs) Now here's what I like to do. I like to turn that around. That means that if I am alive, and if I can't keep breathing, though things may be tough right now, my portion is coming. My reward is coming. Favor is coming. Blessing is coming. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because you're a perfect individual. No, but I still got breath in these lungs. I'm still standing straight up. I still got a God that's alive and I'm still here. So my portion is coming. My healing is coming. My reward is coming. My favor is coming. My blessing is coming. You got to keep living for all them things to happen. So I want to say something very specific today. Because I'm concerned about a trend in our culture. There is no glamour in death. There is nothing romantic about death. Death is the result of the curse of sin. The Bible makes it clear. Death is no escape. In fact, death is the ultimate captivity. When you're dead, you're dead. It's the ultimate captivity. People say, well, I just want to escape all my problems. You're not going to escape. If you're dead, you're in captivity. There is nothing else there. There's no knowledge. There's no emotion. There's no love. There's no portion. There's no reward. So what are you saying today, preacher? I'm saying that I don't know what you may have been going through this week, this month, this year, this decade. I just know that if you keep on, keep it on. And if you seek worshiping God, that God will turn it around. I want to say something today to our young people. Psalms chapter 71. This is an incredible chapter. It appears from chapter 70 that David writes this psalm to the chief musician to bring to remembrance. And I won't go through all this, but it's worth reading. Verse 1 of Psalm 71 says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion your nature is to protect your flesh not to harm yourself and if you are harming yourself through cutting or through thoughts of suicide or even all of this dressing up with 
what do they call that when they wear all that black stuff gossip gossip draw that that's the enemy wants you to feel like that your life is worthless that you're nothing but a mistake i come against that lie from the pit of hell today i tell you today that you are made i feel the holy ghost you are made in the image of god god designed you for greatness God designed you to be a vessel of honor and an instrument of praise. And there's nothing so bad that God can't deliver you from. Any spirit that tries to destroy you is a spirit of confusion. Verse 5, for thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. You got to get this when you're young. You can't wait till you're 30 years old to get this revelation. You better get it now. You better get it from your youth. I'm putting my trust in God. You'll go through times that'll hurt. You'll go through times of rejection and pain and things that'll hurt very deeply and they're very real. But you got to make up in your mind. I got a rope I'm holding on to. Tomorrow's going to be better than yesterday. I'm holding on. I'm tied to the living. I'm tied to a God that's going to make everything all right i still believe i still trust verse 14 but i will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more i will yet hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more when the enemy tries to put thoughts in your head this is how you fight it Praise God more and more. I'm going to hope continually. I'm going to keep believing. My hope is continual. It doesn't have a shelf life. It's not for a particular set of few days or months. It's going to be forever. I'm going to keep hoping. Say, I don't know how you're getting through it. I'll tell you how I'm getting through it. Because God's on my side. And if God be for me, who can be against me? I'm preaching to somebody today. You ought to resurrect the hope that God put in your heart. He's not lost your zip code. He knows where you are. He's got reward on the way. My mouth, verse 15 of Psalm 71, shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day. For I know not the numbers thereof. I don't know how this is going to work out logically. But verse 16, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. Woo! When the devil throws everything at you, you ought to get up every day and say, bless the Lord, O my soul. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep on praising him. Why? Because I can. That's why. We live in a country where you can praise God and worship God and assemble yourselves together. We have a God, hallelujah, that has given us life. We have breath in these lungs. We have an opportunity. We have a brain that can put together a thought. You can put it all together and it all comes out as one unadulterated belief. And that is that I'm going to praise God anyhow. It don't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about it. I'm going to praise Him every day because I'm alive and I can when I can't praise it but while I can let everything that has breath you ought to stand
to your feet right now and you ought to lift your voice and praise him. Jesus, Jesus. Somebody's got to get a hold of this rope. Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Long before there was a promised redeemer, there was Job trying to make sense of his suffering. In Job 19 and verse 10, it says, He hath destroyed me on every side, and I am gone. You can hear these words coming out of a heart of pain and desperation. He hath destroyed me on every side, and I am gone. I am spent. I got nothing else to give. And mine hope hath he removed like a tree. Job is at the proverbial end of his rope. But what is interesting is that he uses the metaphor of a tree to try to describe the finality of his own despair. But if you look in Job 14:7, he starts out that verse by saying, for there is hope of a tree. I, I wish I had another whole hour to preach this. But the very thing that the devil has crafted to destroy you is going to be what God uses as a vehicle to give you a revelation. The devil meant it as a trial, but God meant it a testimony unto you. There is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again. And that the tender branch thereof will not cease. He doesn't have a Bible. He doesn't have any story about the Redeemer and the resurrection. No. He's got nothing but pain. But he sees nature. And he's watching. He doesn't have nothing to do but just sit on that ash pile and scrape his sores. But he's watching nature. And he notices that nature has a way of resurrecting. If it be cut down, it'll sprout again. And that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth and the stock thereof die in the ground. Yet... Good God Almighty. Sometimes all you got is that three-letter word right there. Yet. Everything that can happen has happened. Yet. I'm not done yet. God's not done. Yet through the scent of water. It will bud and bring forth buds like a plant. That old tree don't have nothing, but it can smell the moisture in the air. And that's all it needs. Sometimes all you can do is get a smell in your spirit. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know when. But I don't 
fever liveth. Man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost or the spirit. And where is he? Job asking rhetorical questions. As the waters fail from the sea, and as the flood decayeth and dryeth up, so man lieth down and riseth not till the heavens be no more. They shall not awake nor be raised out of their sleep. Verse 13, here's his prayer now to God. Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be past. Thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man die, Shall he live again? Well, you can feel hope starting to come up out of this desperate situation. Even if you study his rhetorical questions, you can see him moving toward drawing the parallel between that tree that brings forth those buds again through the scent of water and an in a, in a human life. If a man die, shall he live again all the days of my appointed time? Will I wait till my change come? Boy, I wish somebody would look the devil in the eye and say, you've thrown everything you got at me, but there is a change that's coming. There's nothing I can do but wait. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep on praising. I'm going to keep on living. I'm going to keep on loving. I'm going to keep on believing. Because there is a change that is coming. Thou shalt call. And I will answer thee. Thou shalt call. And I will answer thee. Because he said, I know my Redeemer liveth. The hope came back. Even in the midst of pain. There's no appearance of deliverance yet from this. This is something that happens internally. I know my change is coming. When he calls me, I will answer. I'm preaching to somebody in this building right now. You thought God had given up on you a long time ago. But God's not done with you yet. You ought to make up in your mind, when he calls, I'm going to answer. When he calls, I'm going to answer. While I got breath, while I've got a mind, while I've got knowledge, while I've got emotion, while I've got opportunity, while I've got a chance, I will answer. Hope came back to Job. You know why? Because he stayed alive. Yes, he went through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, he suffered. But he kept breathing. 
he got a revelation of the resurrection as long as there is life there is hope some of you right now you've given up on family members because you don't see them here today I feel like declaring this from the rooftop as long as there is life there is hope if they're still breathing there's hope if they're still breathing there's hope I don't know when I don't know how I don't know why but I know there's a change that's coming I can smell it in the atmosphere Job 42, 12, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 she asses. He also had seven sons and three daughters. He called the name of the first. They go through all the names. Then verse 15, and in all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. God blessed Job so much he gave him three good-looking daughters. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Don't blame me. You got good-looking children, you ought to thank God. It's a blessing. The Bible blessed him so much there wasn't anybody as pretty as these three daughters. Whew, I'm going to give you something, Job, you never had before. They're the fairest in the land. Now, if you think your children are ugly, I want to tell you something. You think, I don't know what happened to me. I got ripped off because have you seen Junior? <laughs> Everybody has beauty. I told the group here at 8.30 this morning, I said I was getting on the plane yesterday coming back from Dallas. We had this celebration of life service for Ty and I went down this ramp to get on the plane and I turned and when I turned there was a man sitting there that worked for the airline I guess and when I saw him it was it was so startling because his face was all broken out with different boils and growths and and just hundreds all over his face and and it was almost without thinking about it you just kind of are in a state of shock and I turned the corner and I said is this the way we go and he said yeah and I said well you've got an important job we we stood there and started talking and this guy was funny and jovial and had the best personality sense of humor I only talked to him for a few minutes and I turned and walked up the the ramp there to the plane as I was walking up the Lord just put this thing in my heart what you think is ugly I see beauty in good God Almighty some of you are facing some situations that look really ugly, but I'm going to tell you something. God's working something beautiful out of it. Just keep believing. Just keep praising. Just hang on to that rope. Just keep hoping because you serve a God that's going to make everything better. That's why you've got to believe and you've got to follow what you know, not what you feel. We got a world that tells you, you got to follow your heart. You got to be true to yourself. Well, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. You can't follow what you feel because your feelings will deceive you. You got to follow what you know. I know my Redeemer liveth. And if you follow what you know, your emotions will follow your actions. Your emotions. 
actions will get in line with your actions. If you say, I know my Redeemer liveth, I know God's going to make it better, I know everything's going to be all right. And I'm going to tell you something. When it's all said and done, God's going to have a greater reward. After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons. 140 years after all of this. And he saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Good God Almighty. Some of y'all think you're at the end of your rope. You just hang on. Because when it's all said and done, if God tarries his second coming, you're going to be full of days. And the latter is going to be greater than the former. When it's all said and done, God's the one who has the final say. God is the one who's the author and the finisher of my faith. 18 years ago, next month, a girl's trip from the church in Tallahassee to New York turned into a disaster. As their cab to the airport rolled off the interstate, the young driver from Bangladesh driving in excess of 100 miles an hour. I flew up there to be with my friend, Brother Larry Sims, as his church dealt with this tragedy. In that car, Greg Golden, my father-in-law, lost his youngest sister. Sister Amy and I lost our friend, Paula. Sister Frances, who was in the hospital for a couple of weeks with a broken neck, recovered, and she's still the secretary of that church. I flew back on Sunday to preach in Tallahassee. My brother and sister Sims stayed in New York City going back and forth from hospitals to morgues. And our friend Paula continued to live for some eight to ten days. But the hemorrhaging of her brain would not stop or slow down. I had not started dating Amy yet. I started dating her, I think, maybe the next year. But she told me of her father, Greg Golden, who's here today, who I love very much, who laid on the floor of his house and called out to God. No, God, no. Grieving the loss of his sister, a senseless car accident in a taxi cab of New York. Though he hurt and suffered, he kept living. He kept praising God. He stayed faithful. And now, 18 years later, my father-in-law has five grandchildren and two sons-in-law. And while the sons-in-law may not be a blessing, the five grandchildren are. you got to just keep living and you got to just keep believing I close with this this morning Naomi was hurting having lost her two sons and her husband she tried to tell her daughter-in-law Ruth that she had nothing else to offer she says in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 12 turn again my daughters go your way I'm too old to have a husband And if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, it's still not going to work. 
So I have nothing to offer you girls. I'm going back home in shame. I'm tucking my tail and I'm going back because I've lost my husband and I've lost my two sons, your two husbands. And I have nothing else to give. I'm out. Exhausted. There's no hope. It made sense to Orpah as she returned and went back to Moab, but Ruth said to her, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. You just have to say, I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to just stay close. When things don't make sense, folks, you just got to stay close to God. You got to stay close to the Word of God. She just kept walking. She just kept breathing. She just stayed with Naomi. And even though Naomi was dealing with shame and embarrassment, she just kept going. They went back home and time went by. And There came a time when you read, you read the end of the book of Ruth that Ruth married Boaz. and They had a little baby boy by the name of Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. And Jesse had a son named David. And when they put little Obed in Naomi's arms, she held him close, not having any idea that Obed's grandson would be King David and everything would be restored back to the nation of Israel. Everything that had been lost would be restored. But as she held that little baby boy, though she had lived in years of bitterness and turmoil and despair, hope resurfaced. Because she held on to that rope called life. Sometimes the enemy wants to try and destroy you with shame or pain. You got to just keep praising God. You got to just keep walking with God. You got to just stay faithful to his word. It's going to be worth it all. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I wonder how many of you today that are gathered here, still 10 minutes before noon, I wonder how many of you today would say, I'm going to take this opportunity while I'm alive. To give God some praise. I wonder, would you step out from where you're standing? Would you come and gather down in the front of this building? We're going to praise God before we go today. I feel like God is talking to hearts and lives right now. It's going to be worth it all. Every heartache, every trial. It's going to be worth it all. I think of people in our church right now that are battling cancer. Chemotherapy that is man's best effort. Tries to suck the life out. 
with its scorched earth policy burns everything that's in the way in an attempt to eradicate the cancer destroys a lot of good cells and in the process you walk through the valley of the shadow of death but if you got a family member that's struggling with cancer I want you to know something right now it's gonna be worth it all I said it's gonna be worth it all we can just learn to praise him in the midst of the valley in the midst of the trial I don't understand it all but I'm gonna bless your name anyhow I wonder all across this building would you lift your hands and your voices right now will you say Lord I will bless your name at all times come on if you don't have anything negative in your life you ought to thank God for that I'm gonna praise you while I can I'm gonna praise you while I got strength I'm gonna praise you while I got an opportunity I'm gonna lift my hands and I'm gonna lift my heart and I'm gonna lift my voice under you and I'm gonna say bless the Lord all my soul and if you're going through a tough time you ought to give him double praise right now Oh, God, 
that the Lord promised his followers that the comforter would come. And I think sometimes we sort of skate past this. But when God sends his spirit, it's a comfort. He wraps his arms of love around us. I feel his spirit here today. The Bible says that when they receive that spirit, they begin to speak in other tongues. If you've received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, we're going to pray again. I want to ask you to just speak out whatever you feel in your heart because I believe comfort will come with that. If you've not ever received that gift, I wonder if you'd lift your hands and if you would praise God, you'll begin to feel that well up inside of your heart. And just speak out whatever you feel because God will put his arms of love around you. Would you do that right now all over this building? Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice? Even higher than your hands. somebody close by you know so many times we suffer in silence we try to just deal with it without bothering anybody but I wonder if you could find somebody that you could pray with right now the Bible says if any two or three agree together as touching any one thing they shall ask in his name and it shall be done I wonder if we could minister to one another right now would you do that would you lay your hand on somebody's shoulder Maybe somebody you're standing next to. Would you pray for each other right now in the name of Jesus? Jesus. 